Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Fandoms, Culture, and Perhaps a Few Murders, where we discuss exactly that, Fandoms, Culture, and Perhaps a Few Murders. I am Spade, and with me, as always, is Feline. Hello. And Al. Hey, y'all. Our topic today is still occurring and unexplained, quote-unquote, natural mysteries. All right, I'm going to start with the Devil's Footprints. The people of Estuary in Devon, England, were dealing with their own little mini ice age with every day from January until March, maintaining below freezing temperatures and every snowfall just compiling and freezing over. On February 9th, 1885, after a particularly heavy snowfall, reports started coming in of hoof prints stretching over 30 different locations. They were reported to be four inches long and three inches across. Problem is that they were not only spotted on the ground, but also on unexplainable locations and surfaces. The tracks were recorded to be in single file, six inches apart, as though on two legs, as opposed to four. The combined footprints had reported length between 40 and 100 miles, found over houses, frozen rivers, climbed over haystacks, high walls, as well as drain pipes. A personal account was unearthed in 1950 from Reverend H.T. Ellicombe, he was a vicar of Kleist, C-L-Y-S-T, St. George in the 1850s. He had footprint tracings, personal letters, and a letter to the Illustrated London News that was marked not for publication. Part of the letter states, The mark which appeared on the snow, which lay very thinly on the ground at the time, and which were seen on Friday morning to all appearances, were the perfect impression of a donkey's hoof. The length four inches by two and three quarter inches. But instead of progressing as that animal would have done, for indeed as any other animal would have done, feet right and left, it appeared that the hoof had been followed foot in a single line. The distance from each tread being eight inches or rather more, the foot marks in every parish being exactly the same size and the steps the same length. There have been many people offering theories as to what could have caused the prints, varying from field mice hopping in the snow to other quadrupeds such as donkeys and ponies, groups of badgers searching for food, and mass hysteria. But all of them agree that there are some prints that just can't be accounted for. The closest theory is a family that had mistakenly released an experimental balloon and it had left traces in the snow from two mooring ropes with shackles attached at the ends. The incident had been covered up because the balloon damage had been severe for many greenhouses as well as quite a few farmhouse and windows before it went down. So as of right now, there was no actual answer or closure to what is known as the devil's footprints. I've heard this story before, and I almost want to sit there and say that there was one account even closer, maybe in the States, of this happening on somebody's like ranch or property or something. Mm. But yeah, I, I think I would be concerned if unexplainable footprints appeared outside of my property with no way of tracking in from anywhere and then going back. And it was across 30 different counties. It gets around. Yeah, I'm saying so like, I mean, this is a balloon theory could be a thing if it like dropped down and then came back up because it's not like the trails all led in the same direction. It was just random footprints in random directions. So it's not like it led from one parish to the other, to the other, to the other. You know what I'm saying? But across 30 counties. But the wind pattern would have been crazy to have to like drag it for over 30 counties and didn't have a solid like line to follow through, you know? Or one sighting. Right. When I think of a balloon, it's just moving slowly. And really, unless you have 
whereas like the hot air balloons use flame and then they can steer it in a direction or whatever but right. it's like how do, do you account for those like wild winds that can push you off course especially if this is like some huge prank thing you know and also i feel like if it were a balloon or something wouldn't you see some trace of something in the sky that would be unusual in a current or at the same time of the footprints Right, and there's recordings of people taking down what the footprints look like because, again, it isn't just that one vicar. It's not just one of his accounts. There's a bunch of accounts in different newspapers scattered across England at the time when those reports were coming in. And people just, again, were chalking up to either like mass hysteria or one person found it and then other people started to sit there and say, oh, mines look like that too. And it was really something like field mice. Apparently when it's snowing, they hop like, you know, like little tiny dogs in the snow. So they leave little similar prints like that. I was trying to picture that. And especially since they're supposed to be like horseshoe shaped, correct? Yeah. yeah. You're saying very different. I was about exactly. to say, are they hopping in a U shape and then disappearing? Because that's weird. There's a very hungry owl <laughs> in that area. It's a bunch of field <laughs> For real. I'm going to put it out there and use Giorgio Sukalos' explanation. Aliens. <laughs> Aliens. <laughs> when in doubt. It's aliens. Facts. Or it's the devil, because it's, again, on people's rooftops. There was an indication of it being in drain pipes. Like, for real? This thing is a shapeshifter, too. Right. <laughs> and that would be difficult for a balloon to manage. I feel like a hoof print isn't a hard thing to recognize. Like yeah. a human footprint, it'd be hard to see what kind of animal it left, but you know what a hoof print looks like. Yeah. I also know what like a paw print looks like. So I can tell when something would be a paw print. I wouldn't be able to tell you what make of the animal looks <laughs> a paw print, but it was a motherfucking paw print. So you, they, clearly it's a fucking hoof print. So, and, and then you can't explain how it was in single file. It was as if that animal, whatever it was, was trying to sashay on a runway or something. Cause that's the only time I ever see anybody bipedal <laughs> quadruped walk one foot directly in front of the other like that know how hard it is for a four-legged animal that's wide and whatever to just go straight line hoof over hoof with barely inches apart like that nah that's why i feel like even the explanations of maybe it was other animals is really weird because it's all single file and then they just disappear where did the animals go right i find it unlikely that it'd be a donkey or an animal of that class simply because if they're anything like horses they're walking and they're shitting every few feet Right, there's gonna be like other signs that the animal was there. Like fur too, for that matter. Right, there was a video I saw online and there was somebody who had footprints walking up to their door, walking up to their glass window on the outside in the snow and then walking out to the front of their door, but then the footprints just disappeared. They came in. <laughs> for my findings, I decided to uh, investigate stories of strange lights since the 1940s, in the Hustalen Valley in Norway, which I may be mispronouncing, mysterious orbs of light of varying sizes, from basketball-sized to car-sized, appear randomly, day or night. The characteristics seem to be inconsistent, from changing size and color, from bright white, yellow, to red, to different movement patterns, and just being completely erratic movements. Sometimes they'll float slowly, moving side to side, up or down, and other times, they'll zoom across the sky at high speeds. The lights have been seen through photographs, film, the naked eye, and even on radar. In 2018, an observatory was established on the mountain 
to record and study the lights. Project Hestalen, as it was called, was created. There's even a website that you can watch, a live feed and gallery of sightings and photographs they've taken since 1999. The lights appear rather frequently, with 15 to 20 sightings in a single week being the most recorded on record. Some encounters describe possible intelligence, showing deliberate movements, like moving away from an approaching onlooker, and once being recorded forming a pyramid and moving slowly up and down in unison. Some have even described some of the orbs looking metallic in the sunlight. The light's time duration also seems to range from lasting mere seconds to lasting as long as two hours, and have even been seen ejecting smaller balls of light. Scientists currently have theories, but no actual answer as to what the lights are or what causes them, as they occur independently of thunderstorms and are different in nature to other natural light phenomena such as the northern lights. Theories range from combusting gases to UFOs. Two specific theories that I found was rare occurring mineral in that valley called scandium reacting with acids in the air making burning dust clouds that could be the lights and another theory is piezoelectricity which suggests crystals or rock crystals in the area may build up electrical charges that get released as the balls of light or that the valley itself is actually a battery of some sort on an interesting anecdote in 2021 a Scandinavian Donald Duck comic, he and his nephews go to what they call Gestalden, a play on the Histalden Valley, to investigate strange light and encounter what appears to be aliens. I can find that the lights being naturally explained away with, as combustible gases, probably the most likely explanation. But in order for me to like put my weight behind that, would be is if we saw the comparison to the lights themselves because i don't know if it's one of these things where it's people are saying we see a flying saucer in the air and the government wants to tell you it's a weather balloon okay so pictures of the lights that i saw when looking this up granted i don't know if they're like time-lapsed pictures or not but i would compare them to like a time-lapsed picture of a car driving by how the headlights you have that like bright beam of light and it kind of moves in a zigzag that's what some of the pictures look like and others are like just orbs literally just little orbs of light there's definitely got to be some sort of like organization to it because if she's sitting here saying there are instances where they're moving left and right dancing up and down and then swapping positions and shit as if you're trying to find the, the ball in the cup then like there's got to be some sort of organization to it because then it's also creating other smaller ones while it's going so there's either a lot of energy transfer going on and the closer you get to that area you're gonna get like the static cling type shit where your hair starts to stick on ends but it's got to be to like a thousand and because if all that's going on and if it's energy transfer then that's gonna affect the area in and of itself like she had mentioned it might be some sort of battery or something like that but to have it switch positions in some sort of form there's got to be organization in there whether intelligent or partially because electricity just boom 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 is is random it goes just out there it doesn't organize itself it doesn't move left and right it doesn't dance it strikes keeps striking the same spot because it has a connection and then lets it go and then hits in a different spot and the connection's always different it's not going to be uniform it's not going to be the same they frequently appear as balls but their movements are really varying like some instances they just sit and hover in one place for like an hour <laughs> sometimes they move across the sky sometimes they just kind of hover and float around in one spot it's really like not consistent it's almost like they each have independent thought that could be a thing like i said there were some accounts where 
people seemed to think that as they were trying to approach them, the light seemed to move away almost knowingly. Mm-hmm. But that could also be in an opposite charge. Like, the, you know, if you sit there and put two magnets that have the same charge next to each other that push each other apart, they won't attract. Well, I mean, if we can get struck by lightning because we have water or whatever in us, mm-hmm. lightning will come to us. If it is electricity, while maybe the different charge thing could be a thing, you think it would just zap you. Right, and that's a thing too. I was thinking about like uh, the science museum where you're in the room of electricity and you put your hand on the ball and the lightning automatically goes to wherever you touch on that sphere. Right. I think that would be the type of effect if you got closer. If not, then there's intelligent design behind that somehow. Yeah, and they show up on radars too. So it's- Oh shit, they show up on radars? The, yeah. yeah, no, that's gotta be something. They have a physical <laughs> form enough to be like, isn't just like lightning. They that's something in there. My second strange light phenomena, Naga fireballs. For a few nights every May and October in Thailand, along the Mekong River, glowing balls of fire seemed to emerge from the river and into the sky. These lights were once called ghost lights and are now known as the Naga Fireball. The fireballs are usually red in color, though sometimes yellow or blue, and shoot into the air several hundred meters and then vanish without any evidence that they were ever there. No sound, no smoke. The event lasts for a short while producing thousands of fireballs in a given night, rain or shine, and then stop as abruptly as they started. The peak of the activity occurs at the end of Buddhist Lent, and the Feyanet Festival, which I also may be mispronouncing, is held to observe the lights and celebrate the legend of the Naga. According to locals, the fireballs are caused by a mythical giant river serpent called Naga. Naga are said to be servants of Buddha and are divine, with supernatural powers, and live in the Mekong River. The king of the Naga, Feyanet, is the one celebrated specifically during the festival, and the balls are light are thought to be of the Naga spitting out fireballs in celebration of the end of Lent. Though this is a local legend to explain the occurrence, the lights are very real, but scientific answers are lacking. Some believe the lights to be a hoax, suggesting flares or tracer rounds as a cause, but the lights have reportedly existed for centuries, with some instances happening outside of the normal dates, and some from different tributaries of the Mekong River, and some from nearby ponds. There's also a total lack of any evidence of attempts of forgery or hoax or anything man-made, as there are even boat patrols by local authorities to prevent anyone from doing any kind of dangerous or risky behavior, such as firing off flares and fireworks in the middle of the river. Theories like combusting gases or swamp gas that could cause the lights are also problematic as the specific conditions needed to cause such a phenomena are unlikely to occur naturally in nature, let alone annually, and in lab experiments designed to replicate the fireballs, the gases burn bright and blue-green in color with a sudden pop and black smoke. Under no circumstances did it burn red or slowly or rise up into the air, or did it ever not have sound or smoke like the Naga fireballs. One scientist stated that it's actually more plausible that the lights are flaming balls of dragon mucus than it is for it to be naturally occurring gas bubbles combusting. I'd like it to be dragon mucus. That'd make it more interesting too. It's reverse isekais. It's what happens after you get isekai'd and then they're done with you and they're shooting, shooting them back. Every time it happens, it's another magical country or magical world shooting back people that took from our world, returning them back after they did what they're supposed to do. 
I will say some of the imagery I saw for like showing the Naga spitting out the fireball. One of the first things that came to mind, and just because it's fresh in my memory, was the dragon in Shang-Chi underneath oh, the yeah, water. Yeah, yeah. That was a dope looking <laughs> dragon. Yeah, it was. And they're beneath the river in like spitting out these fireballs. I mean, the locals along the river definitely seem to believe it. And I mean, they have no reason not to. They see that shit happen every year, you know? If you're gonna have faith in something, it's kind of showing you some sort of proof. Right. Especially and... no explanation given has really fit perfectly. I saw, when trying to look up the potential causes or sources of these lights, and when you look at pictures of it, does it look like it could be something like a flare? Yeah, but even flares have some sort of trace to them. Like a trail? Yeah, a light trail. Tracer rounds, I'm not as familiar with, but they seem to be very flare-like in nature. But at the same time, there's been reports of this for centuries. Tracer so, like, rounds would be faster. And tracer rounds are a super hot bullet that's meant to, so you can know what you're shooting at in the dark. So if you're shooting a machine gun, there's, there's a tracer bullet that's going to show where you're aiming at in case you're aiming in the dark. So if you're shooting and you see just one super hot bullet, that's where your trajectory is going and that's where the rest of your bullets are going to. So that's where the mm -hmm. tracer round is. So imagine it being as fast as a bullet, but it's bright like a firefly shooting out of your gun. How long do those last? Because... These shoot up pretty quickly, but they seem to linger in the air for a second and like hold in the air for a minute. It would, it would depend. Um, there are like the, the really big ones that shoot on um, the ships. Those are huge, and but those are rapid fire spit outs because they're trying to sit there and make sure that they hit anything that's flying overhead. So they have to go pretty high. So they linger, you know, when they go up, but they're going to be a point when they're just shooting down. But I don't think they'd be up there high enough or long enough to really warrant that. There'd be a sound because they're bullets, right? Exactly. And, and like with that type of round, it's like a 50 caliber and there's like thousands of them being shot it's like, like that. And yeah, it's, no, that's it's super, super fast. So it's going to be you're going to see one two three four five like in a row but these are supposed to be quiet and there are a lot of them that occur but they're silent and no smoke yeah i know you're going to see smoke shooting from these type of guns it's literally hot and on fire yeah and also like could this be a hoax this river is 160 miles long so for someone to like try to organize a hoax on such a scale would be absurd right on a consistent basis for how long now like come on yeah impressive and it happens all along the river and even along some of the splits. I will say, one other theory posited by some is our favorite theory, aliens. Aliens. I will say this is also an interesting example of myth or local beliefs sort of manifesting in a physical form. Like, there's cases of miracles and stuff that you can't really say are necessarily real or not because there's all kinds of like you believe something hard enough you can manifest it physically if it's like an ailment thing but the fact mm -hmm. that this is happening along 160 miles of river seen by thousands and even people who visit from other places to come see this it's very interesting to have something so undeniably visible to everyone with so many accounts. Yes, yeah, so many accounts. With legitimate history to it. And tied into cultural beliefs. Like, if there were ever going to be a case where, could you say, a legend has a chance to be real. It's like, a case like this, everything kind of works. I agree. Through the 1970s, thousands of livestock were found dead across the country, but not just dead of natural causes or means, but by seemingly surgical precision. 
Now, the FBI investigated and found that the cattle were completely drained of blood. Genitals, udders, strategically removed. In some cases, ears, inner organs were taken. A calf's eye was reported to have been taken out with such precision that the optic nerve was cauterized at the end. Mm, goddamn. Most popular amongst the theories is, of course, aliens and their experimentation. Aliens. At a ranch in Colorado in 2009, there were four calves. They had their innards taken, tongues sliced, udders gone, facial skin sliced and removed, and eyes even cored away. Again, no blood in their remains, nor even on the ground, and no tracks surrounding the carcasses. They're neat. Yo, but blood isn't the hard thing to fucking clean up so quick. In the dark, too. Right! I'm saying they must have, like, had a tarp down before they started the skinning. Because why would you take the udders? They're pointless. Get on the face, too. Like, somebody was trying to make some sort of weird fucking stock brew, or I don't know what the fuck. In Kansas in 1976, one cow with udders, an ear, and its rectum was cut away. What the fuck? Three cows, rectum. (laughs) Another had no lips tongue parts of its back and sex organs removed god damn i feel like the pieces being taken away is reminding me of what is it um cowboy bill from silence of the lambs a third cow had its tongue cut both ears taken rectum and tail removed in a circular cut and there was a burn mark on its forehead as if it had been bludgeoned in that spot why the asshole though someone's doing something freaky yo also shit and literally the back end of some of these carcasses it's a literal hole like it was cut cleanly and like dug in and taken out like so, cord like an apple yeah oh shit now it's happened so often that of course federal authorities looked into these cases i mean just in kansas alone there was over 40 instances holy shit and this happened all along highway 81 Damn. The same pattern with animal deaths of course happen all the time by means like predators disease and injury but we're talking this is mutilation it's very specific doesn't happen often and not naturally yeah nobody takes off someone's face or takes out their rectum (laughs) without intention another common thread in this by the way is that not only does it happen to cattle it has also happened to sheep and horses yeah surgical cuts exposing jaw bones and teeth as if it was cut by lasers is how clean these cuts were made holy shit aliens again no blood left in the bodies or the surrounding areas, so predators are, of course, ruled out. There's no tracks, so it seems to be the most sense that something airborne would have been responsible. Airborne that took out their rectum? And, and Yo, cut and cut the sides of their faces, exposing teeth, pulling off udders, taking skins of the faces, being cored like an apple for me. That's the that's like the biggest problem. Arterized the eye. They stopped the bleeding they, to keep it clean. Right. Without ever touching the ground. Other things that are in common were around these carcasses, there were levels of high radiation. There were hardly any insects feeding, which you would expect to happen Mm. on a carcass. They knew something was wrong. Right. No signs of burnt flesh nor bone. Now, besides the UFO theory, some have posited that there were reports of black plane, no symbols or markings whatsoever, helicopters, which would then suggest that the government would be aware or doing these mutilations themselves. What does the government need a cow rectum for? Yo, can I just say about the waste of all that leather? You're fucking up the meat underneath. There's so much waste going on and it like annoys me. I need my beef. I need my ground beef and I'm fucking up the market. That's a conspiracy. They're doing it specifically to hike up steak prices. There you go. 
Now, some scientists have the audacity to sit there and say that the mutilations aren't that, that they have a completely natural and terrestrial origin, mm -hmm. stating that both flies and buzzards, for example, do eat soft tissue and organs to explain missing eyes and parts like the anus. But there are tears in the flush showing claws or, or beak tears. It's never properly clean. Crows, vultures, whatever, other animals don't walk around with razor blades cutting off chunks of meat and eating eating it like a fucking pate they're digging their face into it and there's going to leave gouges there's going to be rough edges it isn't going to be clean cut I've they aren't going to leave cauterized wounds what animal do you know cauterizes wounds outside of humans i've seen leftover bits of rabbit from hawks and falcons and it's in no way neat and there's definitely blood not to mention you mentioned that they'd be walking around no tracks no tracks that's fucked dude it's not clean there's going to be tears there's going to be gouges it's going to be ugly and there's going to be blood and he's sitting here saying there's no blood around these cows he said cauterized eye wounds there no and that's going to be the point of matter of fact for me the, the cauterized eye wound no perfect circles cord right they also sit there and say that lips and genitals disappear due to dehydration that's like okay so they just melt away <laughs> none of these scientists who've offered these explanations will go on record to say such though oh yeah no there's no way they want to associate some with some shit like that because as crazy that's going around it'll be nothing but conspiracies and shit going forward birds got lasers <laughs> and the you know lips and genitals just disappear yeah they just dry <laughs> off now there's been more than ten thousand incidents spanning New Mexico, Utah, Arizona, and okay. others for decades. So Damn. going more than 50 years in multiple places. And ever since an incident that occurred in 1967 in a Colorado ranch that was also paired with UFO sighting that was spotted, also attributed and described by a superior court judge of that area, saying it was three triangular lights that moved around in a fast speed and radiated some orange toned type of light and so from that point on animal mutilations that phenomenon entered the paranormal lingo oh yeah you can't you can't not have unidentified lights and then cow mutilations you can't and then not think aliens my question is though what is aliens goal by mutilating cattle what is their fascination with cattle because it'd be one thing if like over time we saw that kind of mutilation in various animals like of different species and different class, like mammals, you know, other types, reptiles, because then it would at least indicate that they're trying to learn about our entire, like all the living creatures on our planet by progressing in the different types of animals that they investigate. But the fact that it's consistently cattle of some sort or farmyard animals is weird. I feel like it could be a type of scientific experiment. Like for instance, there are certain types of animals or certain type of like mucus from animals that is good breeding like locations or breeding stock for various like bacteria and certain diseases. I know anthrax has has a specific animal that it grows really, really well in. Maybe even a certain animal they're trying to genetically create. Maybe it's the environment inside of the cow that helps provide a lush environment for whatever they're trying to grow. You want to know something interesting? I think, and I could be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure I remember hearing that cow bones are actually really good at absorbing radiation in like nuclear waste because I feel like I remember hearing the story that they were using cow bones to try to clean up toxic areas. 
and help with radiation in places like Chernobyl. Really coincidental that it seems like these cows have radiation around them specifically. And if I am correct in remembering that it's cow bones, it is an animal bone of some sort that's being used as like a radiation sponge. Mm -hmm. I just can't remember if it's cows specifically. But also talking about like using animals to breed shit like anthrax, that would be really alarming if they're trying to figure out a way to taint cattle, which is where we get a lot of our fucking food from. Well, kuru is a disease that's only fatal and it's the type of thing that you get by only eating directly of what's infected by it. Like you can grow that inside of animals' brains as a type of petri dish. You guys are talking about incubation. Yes. Now, the common theories that they are trying to gather these subjects for experimentation in terms of dietary habits, chemical balances, things of that nature, and if you can believe a lot of the reported human alien abduction stories, they would be another way that would lead to what Feline was touching on with trying to learn about our anatomy, our dietary habits, things that could be beneficial or detrimental to us as a race, as a species. They also, a common theory or tie amongst abduction stories is more butt stuff. They like their <laughs> rectums. Anal probes. They sure do. Next is the Am I the Asshole? And the topics for today are buying a house, plane tickets, or ruining vacation. House. Am I the asshole for buying a house without consulting my fiancé? My fiancé is in university finishing her master's. She lives with her parents, but we are planning on moving in together as soon as she's done school. We have looked at a few homes, but she's never happy with them and says that we should wait until she can contribute to the down payment and the mortgage. One of my uncles is moving to Mexico for his retirement, and he offered me an amazing price on his house. It's way too big for me or us, but the price was too good to pass up. He isn't emotionally attached to the house or anything, and he bought it after his divorce. It has been a party house ever since. I had enough of it for the down payment and because of the price I paid, I can pay the property taxes added to the mortgage and still be paying less than I would be for anything else that I would buy in my city. But now my fiance is mad that I bought our first home without involving her. I said I would have no problem selling the house and picking one with her. We could use my equity to put a huge down payment on the house that she approved of. She said that wasn't the point and that I was a dick for cutting her out, out of such a huge decision. I don't know what I did wrong. I could sell the house today for nearly $125,000 more than what I paid for it without any work. If I clean it up in pain and I could get more. Her friends are on her side, but my friends and family think I was right to take the jump at such a great opportunity. I called my uncle and asked him if he cared what I did with the house. He said no, and that he just wanted to give me a head start on life since he couldn't pay back my dad for paying for his university when my grandparents disowned him. My dad passed away a long time ago and my mom and stepdad raised me. My uncle always gave me great gifts, but I never knew why. Am I the asshole? I think the point of contention is just him making a decision on something without her input but it is you know his property and he's sounding like he's very accommodating to do what she would want if she wants to be part of the decision yeah and he'd turn a profit still if he did ultimately sell it it doesn't sound like too much of a problem outside of her just wanting to be told but if it was like a time sensitive thing i think getting it and then being able to get rid of it if it's not wanted makes it a reasonable thing to do especially since the housing market is hard sometimes you could buy a house at a really good price when the market is ripe for you to make your killing and then other times the market can be really slow and be really hard to unload a house that you would put a lot of money and investment in you can't even get the majority of what you would ask for so really the window of opportunity to strike at the right moment is short and fleeting but i think that's 
that it just seems from what it sounds like that she just wanted it to be part of that decision to be made. And it doesn't surprise me that obviously their supporters are split evenly down the middle. Yeah, his friends agree with him, her friends agree with her. It's very typical. Honestly, I think since it had stated that she wants to hold off on buying on her house so she can contribute to the mortgage and the down payment means she doesn't have any of the money he did. That's how I'm seeing this. And he's willing to sell it to put money down on a down payment for the both of y'all for later. So what she can't sit there and say is that his money is her money when she hasn't contributed shit to it. So in my perspective, he bought himself a house. Yeah, it's big. He can do whatever the fuck he wants with it. But right now she's living with her parents. She wasn't living with him. They weren't living together sharing rent on a place. She lived with her parents. He lived in his situation. He said he had money for the down payment. So he bought a house. Not her. Not them. He. So she has no say about the situation whatsoever because she has no money down on it. What she's mad is that he bought his first house without her. That ain't his fucking problem. How she's feeling about that. Because he bought him a house that he saw was a really good fucking investment. He's already up 125k with the house as it is. Get enough for a down payment and to be able to cover the mortgage dolo without her help because she's clearly not putting any money in it because she's at her parents house. So she has nothing to say about this. And what she wanted was they want she wanted to get a house with them together and he was saying before they had gone to a lot of houses together and she didn't like any of them so when he came up with the deal he knew he could handle he bought the house on his own apparently during that house hunting she kept thinking that she was still shopping with his money and that's not your money baby she didn't want to bother on getting a house until she could contribute which means she ain't doing it now that's what i was gonna point out too that it sounded like it was only his money being spent in which case again She has no real right to say anything about it's his money. When people sit there and try to claim what other people should do with with other people's money, it makes no damn sense to me. Anyways, in this corner of the universe, Rings of Power Season 2 is in the middle of filming, and it is rumored to be adding Tom Bombadil for fans of the fellowship. (gasps) Yes! Oh, I can't wait. It's going to be so good. How are they going to play him in, though? There was a reason um, What's-His-Face didn't put him in the Lord of the Ring films. Yeah, it was because it didn't advance the main narrative enough to include him, so they excluded him. Yeah, and he's like one of the oldest, but he he isn't featured at all inside of any of the Lord of the Rings films. And that's when I first became a fan, and I know I haven't read the books or anything like that, but like, dude, he's he's supposed to be like epic and awesome, but yet the most cheerful too. When I read the first book, his part was the part that I felt like I had to drag myself through because I was bored reading his section. Is it because he's so cheerful and happy? And such no, a- what, well, what it is is that he's he's been a supporting character in that story, right? Because he helps Frodo and company out of some situations in the old forest. And a lot of commentators of the Tolkien series debate whether his role and origins kind of differ. But a lot of the scholars who have studied Tolkien's work do believe that he is the spirit of that forest. And seeing as he has assisted Frodo and company in those two situations where they found themselves trapped, but yet he can't cross the borders of his land, or at least refuses to. So it makes it seem like his spirit is just bound to that territory. Oh, I didn't know that. Now, Tom first came on when he assisted Merry and Pippin when they were trapped by Old Man Willow. 
and the way that Bombadil freed them was by singing Old Man Willow to sleep. <laughs> so it makes it seem like he may have some sort of, you know, ethereal magic or, or some sort of power that they, they don't... I would say the commentators tend to compare him to a demigod from other folklore. Yeah. But they generally do seem to agree that he is maybe a spirit of some sort and his wife is like a daughter of the river <laughs> and she's somewhat tied to that, it seems, in the mythology. So she may be as well. Now, it was also noted that the One Ring has no power over Bombadil whatsoever, as he has been seen flipping the ring up in the air, making it disappear and reappear and giving it back to Frodo. When Frodo wore the ring, he was able to still see where Frodo stood. I remember that being in the article I read about Tom, too. And he also is able to wear the ring and not feel any of the effects Yes, that was the major thing I read. I was like, bro, he, he should have played a bigger role. It was rejected by the Council of Elrond at Gandalf's behest, by the way, to um, not allow Tom to keep the ring as the safekeeper because Gandalf believed that Tom doesn't find the ring important at all and, <laughs> and he would be most likely to just misplace it somewhere. So even if they were trying to want to destroy it, they'd be not able to find it because... Tom would have just lost it and been like, huh? I don't know where that trinket was. That's hilarious. Like, bro, like, he may be the best of us to carry it, but he's too absent-minded to carry it. He'd be like my grandpa. It'd end up being inside of that fucking cookie tin where everybody hopes it's cookies, but it's <laughs> fucking sewing kit, some old candies, receipts from last year, keys to a Jetta that nobody knows belongs to. <laughs> yeah, even when um, he had taught the hobbits a rhyme, in order to summon him in case they found themselves in trouble, which they did later on um, when they were trapped. And he gave each of them a dagger and then ended up sending them off to the Prancing Pony, in which we know that in the movie, it was Gandalf that directed them to meet at the Prancing Pony. Yeah. So, you know, it'd be interesting to see who they have to play Bombadil and to see what role he might play. Really, the showrunners could take these established characters and tell whatever story they want. Lastly, on the Marvel front, it's rumored that What If Season 2 has been pushed to 2024 instead of this year. Hmm. It's also rumored that the first episode of Secret Invasion will drop in May of this year. Ooh. Ironheart is rumored to debut on Disney Plus between September and November of this year. Kristen Ritter of Jessica Jones recently shared workout photos at a gym. And she happened to be wearing a cut-off top of Daredevil's logo. And fans, of course, instantly started to surmise that maybe this is a sign of her joining the Born Again series. Huh. I want Punisher to come back. The guy who played Punisher is really, really well. I want yeah. that to come back. Now, besides the rumored current Marvel stars that are slated to show up in the Kang Dynasty, like Scarlet Witch, Captain Marvel, Miss Marvel... It was recent um, marketing that, like a book that came out that formally introduces Monica Rambeau's character superhero name as Spectrum, officially. Mm, nice. Marvel Studios, of course, hasn't come out to say it, but it's already in a printed, like, picture book, so it's likely that that's what's going to be anyway. Nice. When does the Marvels come out? July. That's barring if Disney doesn't delay anything else. So there's a lot of established people that are rumored to be showing up in the Kang Dynasty. She-Hulk is expected to show up in it. Shuri's expected to show up in it. I surmised in last week's episode of the podcast that I gave you a preliminary roster of the Avengers that are almost confirmed to be the core team before the events of going into the Kang Dynasty. But I feel like with Secret Wars being the second part of that following, 
that the other Avengers that we don't see will be the ones that we were introduced to as well as some of the original ones from the previous films will probably come in to be back up in the second part of that. Now, was Shuri supposed to be a part of the young Avengers or like is she supposed to be a part of the new Avenger lineup? Just the new Avenger lineup. Because hmm. I find it strange to, well, granted she could be an Avenger but not necessarily have to be in America but it makes it sound like she would be if that's like where they're stationed but she is now officially the queen so she kind of has shit to do in Wakanda mm -hmm. I find it weird to picture her like leaving her place without a ruler of any kind wait isn't Umbaku the ruler of Wakanda right now no he was temporarily holding power because with the council or whatever wasn't sure she could handle it that she could be able to bring back the Black Panther the mantle and the plant but I think they gave it back to her properly at the end, right? But yeah, like we just haven't seen a coronation, but seeing as I think that some, if I could recall, still refer to her as Princess Shuri, mm. at least until said coronation, she would still be princess. Mm. And plus, it seemed like even though he might have had some contention with her previously, he seemed respectful of her position, so I don't think he would like keep it if she wanted it, you know? Right. At the same time, she could still be written the same way as T'Challa was, because he was in Wakanda in Infinity War, never left that border because the war came to him. It could repeat in a way, but I, I doubt that I see that happening. Yeah. But either way, it isn't the people who are rumored to be in the Kang Dynasty that interests me. It's the names that pop up that are rumored for Avengers Secret Wars that interest me. Now, the other day you pointed to me, Al, about uh, Famke Jensen reprising her role as Jean Grey for that. Yeah, man. I, I don't I, know how I, I feel I, about I that. Only because she is that character from that established universe. The, the audience already knows her as that character. So to have her tie into the MCU, like Evan Peters is Quicksilver at first, before he was written off as Ralph Boner, and then <laughs> supposedly will be actually Quicksilver in the flesh in Deadpool 3, which we'll see whether or not that rumor is true. Right. But we're now merging the original X-Men Fox universe and even in the latter instance, the first class X-Men universe, both from Fox into the MCU. And I feel like audiences already have, regardless of the quality of those movies, that they're going to be tied in. People know them, you know, they're recognized as that characters. Now, the rumored names to join is Willem Dafoe coming back as Green Goblin, Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow, Haley Atwell as Captain Carter, Josh Brolin coming back as Thanos, Sophie Turner reprising her role as Jean Grey also, uh huh, and Chloe Bennett from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. who played uh, Daisy Johnson slash Quake from that oh, series. Oh, okay. All right. I so, remember Quake. So I'm interested in whether or not any of those names actually do tie into Secret Wars, because then that means this movie is just going to be bigger than even what Endgame put together. And I don't know, I mean, I believe they picked the director of Shang-Chi to be the director for the Kang Dynasty. For mm -hmm. Secret Wars, I don't believe they've chosen somebody yet to direct that film. And now we're going to have to see whether or not this director can balance a huge cast like the two the Russo brothers did for Endgame and Infinity War. Now, the Russo brothers 
have had quite a legacy of being able to handle ensemble casts, and they did it well. Now, the director or directors that they would have in line for Secret Wars, can they do the same? Or can they write the story where everybody gets equal screen time? Clearly, the multiverse is going to factor in here with all these previous cast members coming back from other universes. I want I Sam want Raimi to do it. He'd have to do better than Multiverse of Madness for me to want Sam Raimi to come back. Yeah, but yeah, I I, I like I like, I want Sam Raimi to do it. I do. <laughs> I love everything he does, so I can't even hate. Speaking of Sam Raimi, though, the recent thing I saw was that um, Naughty Dog director Neil Druckmann talked about the Last of Us movie that was being pitched after the game came out in 2013, mm -hmm. and Sam Raimi was attached to direct that film, and there were a couple of actresses that he had in mind for Ellie before the movie ran into such production red tape, and then the two actresses aged out. Oh. But yeah, I mean, it would have been interesting to see how he would have done that, because I, I feel like that would have been an interesting director for that project, just like... George Romero was the director that was sought after to do the first Resident Evil movie and what that could have been. So it's just a little tidbit there. Before I forget, what would be, this is completely off to the fucking left, what would be your Royal Rumble surprise entrance? The only surprises I can really see are people that would have been on loan from Impact Wrestling. Anybody from the independent circuit in Mexico and in New Japan Pro. But nobody specific. I would put in Booker T, maybe The Rock, because there are way more rumors about him now than there were before. Yeah, and I would like to see our truth back. But I think it might be a bro him because he's going to be off of rehab by then. And I think he's due to be back by then. So I think bro ham will be uh, the surprise entrance. But I want either, you know, Booker T, our truth, or The Rock to be, you know, one of the surprise entrances. Actually, I want to say that a, a good chance it's gonna be goldberg because of vince <laughs> no no uh, a good shot at a possible return surprise return slash entrant that i wouldn't mind seeing would be bobby root <gasps> yes he, he recently was cleared to return i think two months ago and it's just a matter of time before he actually does glorious I won't give in, I won't give in till I'm victorious. I love his entrance, his robe, his grand, his grandoise. I love it. Bear. That wraps it up for this week's episode. Tune in next time as we discuss more topics. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other podcast platforms. And if you like the show, please follow us on your preferred platform of choice. You can leave us questions and comments and shoot us an email at fandomsculturemurder at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Spade. I'm Feline. I'm Al. Bye, y'all. Thank you for listening. Stay safe and all that jazz. Adios.